Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Award-winning broadcaster Roy Green is keeping you company on your weekend. This is The Roy Green Show across the Chorus Radio Network. I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Follow me there. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com and the webpage is RoyGreenShow.com in the podcast. You can listen back to anything and download whenever you choose anything that we've aired. I'm not working next weekend, and uh, but in the new year, I'm going to put together um, a long segment with guests, Lange Calls, and we'll get to this. We're going to talk more about the issue of what Trump said and um, what that generates in the way of conversation. I read you the emails. What we're going to do, we're going to do a long segment early in the new year. We all live in the same space, right? Uh, before the end of the hour, I'll be talking to Wendy Sims in West Edmonton. She and her sister Colleen have a women's clothing store called Isis. They've had it for 10 years. They named it after an Egyptian goddess. And they've been harassed so much recently, they're going to rebrand their store. And that's not inexpensive. I understand a new sign's going to cost them five grand. Maybe a crowdfunding effort would be good. There's so much anger. And a lot of the space is created by leaders who don't lead. Three individuals, including a 13-year-old boy, have been arrested in two convenience store robbers in Edmonton. Both incidents at Mac stores, and um, in both instances, the employees were shot and killed. The Edmonton chief of police says in neither incident did the store employee offer any resistance, and that's according to video camera footage. All three suspects have criminal records, although one's just 13, prohibited from owning guns, And it brings us as well to the issue of repeat dangerous offenders. The Ontario Attorney General has said 60% of high-risk offenders released from provincial custody reoffend. Scott Newark joins me, former Alberta Crown Attorney, former head of the Ontario Office for Victims of Crime. And Scott has been my go-to source for, well, for the justice system for the last 25 years. And, And Scott, what happened in Edmonton is so horrific, but in some ways it takes me back to our first discussions when I was really a newbie as far as justice was concerned, our first discussions 25 years ago. Yeah, I was thinking of that myself, Roy. I was still a Crown prosecutor, and uh, as I subsequently put it to people who asked why I left being a prosecutor, because I really loved the job, but it was because I realized that um, there were fundamental problems with the justice system itself. As I put it, I got tired of tripping over the mistakes of the parole system in my courtroom, but I realized that I, I couldn't change it by being a prosecutor. There were laws that needed to be changed and federal policies that needed to be changed, and in specific in relation to repeat offenders, because the, uh, you know, very, very quickly as a Crown, I realized, and this has been through the, the course of my entire career, that a defining truth of our justice system, and I suspect most Western countries, is that a disproportionately small number of offenders are responsible for a disproportionately large volume of crime. And yet, although we've made a few what I would call minor improvements, that reality remains fundamentally unaddressed by our justice system. And as a result, 
It's as though, you know, people, the expectation is just, well, rather than keep somebody in custody by denying them bail because of their long record or by not granting them parole because they keep committing crimes on parole, the system just sort of turns them out that revolving door. And it's though the expectation that there's going to be more victims out there, oh, well, that's just the price the society should pay. And that's ridiculous. And it's something that that really seriously needs to be addressed. I, I don't think the Conservative government really did anything about it at all in their time, and I sincerely hope. I know the new Justice Minister has been given a mandate to review sort of the whole breadth of the system, and I hope it's something that uh, she takes a good, hard, honest look at because there are huge public safety consequences if we do it right. Well, you know, we've been treading water for so long. There have, as you said, there have been, there've been incremental steps made to improve things, but we still have a situation like uh, the individual who was charged in uh, in, in in the death of a 15-year-old um, Aboriginal girl in in Winnipeg, and for yeah. some reason I'm just blanking on her Raymond name. Cormier now. was his name. Tina Fontaine. Tina Fontaine. Uh, Cormier, 94 criminal convictions. So you know, the, the, I remember speaking and being totally exasperated, talking to somebody in the justice system about an individual who was in a halfway house in Hamilton then wound up in leaving the halfway house, just walked away, a stole a car, went to Sudbury, shot a police officer, and he had 157 convictions. I think it was 157 criminal convictions. And the question was, at what point is enough enough? At what point do you say, dangerous offender, not let him out, not letting him out again? Well, that that was uh, Clinton Suzak, hooked That's up right. with another career criminal named Peter Pennant, who killed a young police officer, Joe McDonald. But you're right. It's after the fact, when you look, you scratch your head and you go, well, why was this guy even allowed to be in the halfway house? Why didn't the halfway house report the fact that, he, that he'd actually left? And that, I think, is, is what I still find frustrating. And I still, you know, when I explain the way our system, in quotation marks, works to people, I, I frequently see, you know, jaws drop and people going, what? For example, there are no parole ineligibility consequences for people who commit crimes while on parole. There's no law that says, you know, if you commit a crime while on parole, you're not going to be entitled to parole the next time as soon as a first offender. And, and uh, Scott, when, when you get when you receive parole, parole comes with conditions, does it not? Yes. One of them would be, don't commit another crime while you're on parole. You good behavior is the polite phrase, but yeah. I mean, I think the case, you know, seriously, that you and I probably first met on, I started doing some on a, uh, a career criminal killer named Daniel Zingra, who was given a day pass. He never should have been, um, and he killed uh, at least two people before he was covered. I was helping the victim's family yes. get to the truth of it. And as a result, and I ended up going and testifying in front of parliamentary committees and stuff. And as a result, Roy, I got flooded with brown envelopes about case examples of the same kind of situations. And the one that, that really struck, and I think it was probably the one that you and I first met on, was a guy named um, uh, Albert Fulton, who, as I recall at the time, he had uh, 50 uh, previous convictions, been released on parole eight previous times, committed a new indictable offense each and every time while on uh, parole. The parole board said, oh, what the heck, let's give him a ninth try. Picked up for impaired driving, not returned back. And then in the company, his other career criminal named Jerry Cruz, they shot and killed a young Edmonton police officer. Okay, He is still in the revolving door of the criminal justice system after being convicted of manslaughter, where he's been released, breached his conditions, nobody tells the cops. Okay, There's no legal obligation for the people who are supposedly supervising these people to inform authorities. Here's one. 
Um, it's a crime to breach the conditions of your bail. It's a crime to c- breach the conditions of your probation. But guess what? It's not a crime to breach the conditions of your parole. Okay, that makes no sense, especially in the future when, you know, somebody's in court somewhere and, and you've got to be uh, deciding whether or not you're going to oppose bail. There's no record of the fact of the guy having breached his parole. So, Scott, if we, if we bring it full circle and we come back to this tragic situation in Edmonton, you got a 13-year-old boy involved with two guys in their yeah. 20s. Uh, I don't know if charges have been filed. They hadn't been as of this morning when I was No, I haven't seen any story. charges actually filed either. Um, so now you've got a 13-year-old. You've got two, two in their 20s who were repeat offenders. And you've got two people who are dead, who, who did not oppose them. Um, if they are convicted of a capital crime, they're not going to get out for a long time, except for the 13-year-old, probably because there are limitations for young offenders. I can't jump ahead, but had they committed just a violent act and not committed a capital crime, allegedly, I can't say anything yet, they'd be out in the the street again in a fairly short period of time. It's always a good idea in cases like this to take a look back at the circumstances and see whether or not there were things that could have been done to prevent them from being out on the street. You know, you can't... And, you'll, we won't and now you're doing it over the. the and now you're doing it over the two dead bodies of people who were trying to make a living and just trying to survive and working late night doing it. Yeah, you know what? I would suggest to your listeners as well too. There's there's clues. I mean, the justice system, for all of its uh, you know haughty talk, uh, it it really doesn't like it when people ask it uh, questions about its own performance. When you see the words known to the police. When you're seeing like a little description, I live in a little small town in Ontario, and I, you know, follow along with little police briefs in the newspaper, okay, and you see that the individual, for example, when there's a, they're describing somebody charged with a new offense, and you see added in there, breach of probation, that means the guy was on probation at the time, it means he has a previous record. Breach of reconnaissance, that means he was on bail. Okay, so he had been uh, charged with a new offense and yet was let go. Right. Those are the little clues that you can actually look for. Because it's and I've got I've got one minute, Scott. Largely a question that doesn't go uh, go asked, and it's not it really isn't about simply putting more people in jail. It's about identifying the people who commit those crimes over and over and over and over again, yeah. changing the rules and actually enforcing the rules because the public should not have to pay the price for a system that doesn't is too arrogant to answer for its own uh, misconduct. One of the first cases I worked with you on or consulted you on, we talked about on the air was uh, the murder of little Christopher Stevenson. Perfect, yes, absolutely. At the, at the hands of uh, repeat multiple murderer or Child psychopath, Joe Fredericks. Uh, Joe Fredericks. And, and after uh, he was let out, and uh, shouldn't have been, according to the judge, but he was let out, and he was under supervision or observation, supervision by parole officer. Who, who, yeah, who during the inquest later on, uh, and he'd been diagnosed, Fredericks, as a, as a, as a psychopath, uh, the the parole officer admitted it during the inquiry into Christopher's death that he didn't know what a psychopath was. Yeah, so that's the guy they put in charge him. of watching him. Yeah, and they also lost him as well, too. Yeah. Good example, Roy, because we managed to change some significant laws then yeah. and create some better methods to supervise and control okay. these people. Those tools aren't being used. Thanks, Scott. All right, Roy. Talk to you soon. Scott right. Newark, former Crown Attorney, former head of the Office for Victims of Crime in the province of Ontario, also senior policy advisor to the... Uh, uh, Stockwell Day, when Stockwell Day was the national, the federal public safety minister. We're coming back and we're going to be speaking with uh, Wendy Sims.
who is co-owner with her sister, Colleen, of the Isis Women's Clothing Store in West Edmonton. It won't be much longer. Stay with us. 